Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. I think what's what's become clearer, certainly in the last few years, as competition in the game industry has really stepped up, is that there's a fundamental difference between a great game and a great game business. You know, you could be super lucky, you, your game is an instant hit, it's resonating with users, but for when that's not the case, uh, or even when you just want to take your game growth to the next level, that's where we come in. So we've developed a really incredible platform that's designed to make you as powerful and as capable as possible in growing your game, whether that's growing your game revenue or growing your user base. That was Melissa Zella, VP of Marketing at IronSource. Joe Sheppy, welcome back to the podcast. This is this is the third time now, probably, right? Yeah, third time. <laughs> third time, yeah. third time is the charm. Aside from maybe some of like the conferences and things. We, yeah. like, I, I feel like we started trying. recording too late because we were just talking about um, very important topics for uh, for a gaming podcast. When to have your second child? Uh, <laughs> debating whether it's like two is bad, but three is good. And you were talking about the psychological effect, and then five is kind of stretching it. I was at the five, so so I'm 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 just at the cutoff point. Like six is too late already. <laughs> and then we were talking about uh, being a good fighter if you have an older brother, because the older brother will beat the fuck out of you for entire, you know, like you just have to become a better, better fighter throughout when you're growing up. So, so important topics. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. As usual. So, so, uh, so for folks who, um, who don't know 12 traits and we're not, we're, we're, we're kind of touching upon 12 traits because we're, you know, this is the, the whole story here. Um, I'll just give my quick spiel so that you don't have to self-promote your company. I will promote it for you. <laughs> I know I know self-promoting a com- your own company is always weird. So, um, and because that's what we do all the time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just in short, 12 traits. Uh, I've used 12 traits for at least two years now. Uh, it, it's It's been fantastic in recognizing the audience you're making your game for. Uh, really allowing you to talk about your players even before you have your players and start designing your game towards those players, understanding deeper than the disc demographic, understanding what those players enjoy in the games that they're playing, and then transferring that information into marketability uh, data uh, and and really kind of like ha- using that targeting data to test out different marketing campaigns um, with the use of 12 traits like personally, I just actually ran uh, some more marketability tests and 
uh, essentially every time we've been lower and lower and lower and we use geek lab to measure our marketability and the latest tests were were basically like they're like we're not believing you like we have to go in and they're like no this is true and then like, let's uh, run like a long form test for a wider audience on facebook and and still the test became like really good uh, just by understanding the audience and being able to consistently improve the message you're doing for your audience so that's my tangible um tangible impact of using 12 traits uh, with understanding audience and improving marketability. But what I wanted to talk about to you is, is a few things. One is 12 traits is no more. If you type 12traits.com, you go to Solston. And that's, a, that's another thing. And then I wanted to, of course, talk about the IDFA and like how, how everything that you guys are building is going to fit in the, the new world of less targeting. So where do you want to come? Where do you want to start? Um, we can start with, with Solston uh -huh. and the, the name change. Um, I can just jump in. Does that work? Or Th That's how podcasts do. Like, it's, like you're here to talk. I just, <laughs> I just tried to kick it off, and, and uh, I'm here to ask stupid right. questions. So, you know, maybe, you know, we started 12 Traits about four years ago. Um, and, you know, the name, the name happened very – it was a very subtle thing. We were in a cafe in Colorado. And Bastion, my co-founder, was like, you know, how many how many traits do we measure on mm -hmm. on people, on players? And I was like, hundreds. Um, one day, probably thousands. Um, but then the question was, well, how many like major trait categories do we do we measure? It's twelve. We looked at twelvetraits.com. It was available. We got it. Uh, I was on a podcast with Mark Randolph, um, the co-founder of Netflix, a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how they named Netflix like I don't know, it was like Dog Kennel. <laughs> they named some like horrible name, um, and they're like, you know, what? let's name a name so bad that that we're gonna have to change it someday. And we didn't want to do that. Like we didn't want to go down that direction. We we're like, well, if it's twelve, we'll appear at the top of conference lists. Um, there's a lot of kind of strategic benefits, but the plan to build the company was always more or less under the radar and doing it through referrals. Uh, I think one of the most important things when, whenever somebody is building a new project, a new company, is what do the people say? What do the players say? You know, when our investors came to us and they said, how do you guys do sales? And we said, our customers literally tell each other, that's how we do sales. And I think for us, you know, not focusing on brand in the beginning, um, which was hard to meet, hard for me given I used mm -hmm. to be a UX director at McCann. So, you know, brand is kind of in my blood. Um, my dad ran a marketing company for 30 years growing up. So for me to kind of, you know, step aside from brand and focus on just product and really creating a super high quality product that delivers tons of value, we wanted to sort of get everything else out of the way. And so that's what we did over the last four years was was focus on building this tool that really enables game companies to deeply understand their audiences and then create heartfelt experiences for those people. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, based on the logos and based on our retention and based on the clients we work with, we, we largely achieve that. Um, but the sort of the vision and the mission of 12 Traits and now Solston has, has always been how do you actually allow technology to be better for people? How do you let it be you know, engaging, playful, but healthy too? I don't think there's any game company in the world that's out there like, yeah, I want to just like fuck users over all well, day there are some. and take their You know, <laughs> I, and I think those, those ones, and we might know the names <laughs> of them, um, they, all, they all burn out too. Yeah. So even if they like realized it, their own selfishness leads to the destruction of their business because um, it's not sustainable, yeah. right? Like, 
anyone who's addicted to a game in the long run, they're not going to be paying money. Something's going to happen. They're going to blow out, burn yeah, out, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I used to head up UX at Big Fish Games, Big Fish Casino, perfect example. Like, we had to make that game so that it was better for people. You can't just like keep squeezing money out of out of users. It's not okay. Um, so what you know, going back to the vision, which is how do you make technology healthier for people? That's part of why we're in gaming. There's more behavior in games than any other technology by far. We can learn so much, um, and so we we knew we were gonna rebrand at some point. And we started going through different names. Um, a lot of what we do is very human. Um, as long as you don't pronounce Solsten properly, you know, if, you, if you're going the Swedish route, you say like Solsten. Solsten. With the, <laughs> yeah. Then, then, you're, then you're kind of veering off, I guess, um, with what we were intending. But when you say Solsten, um, there's that word soul in it, sten, stone. So it's got this solid thing. And, you know, there are these artifacts that, that Vikings would mm -hmm. use to, to sail you know, across the ocean and navigate. And they thought they were magical, um, but ended up being super scientific. And we actually, a lot of people don't know this. We started the company in Stockholm. Um, we're in Minnesota, which is where most of the people from Sweden and Norway, you know, half the country went a hundred years ago. So there's kind of this like Nordic past yeah. that's there. And it's kind of an ode to that. You so have Vikings and there in the too. beginning, in Minnesota. Yeah, they, they came. Yeah, the football team anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you still have, I mean, you still have like, um, in, this is a little side topic, but communities in Minnesota that linguists will study to learn like Swedish and Norwegian from because it's like still the Norwegian from like 100 years ago. So it's like frozen in time. Yeah. So if you like listen to Swedish here, people are like, what is this? And it's still like the same dialect from this little town and in Sweden that's gone yeah, now. It's exactly. like a dead dialect, um, but it's kind of kind of funny. So, you know, there's for us, there's always been broader ambitions to like when we describe our product, people say, well, what is it? It's really the operating for creating heartfelt experiences, for creating experiences that resonate with people. And it's it's the operating system that you're going to go into, plug into. And if you want to do that, if you want to understand your audience and have technological enablement around that. And we're, we're really entering the era of experience. Um, you know, this is, if you're just thinking about experiences right now and how you holistically understand your audience, you're still early. Like you have a competitive advantage if you're doing that at this point, five years from now, 10 years from now, the companies that are the best at that will be the brands that that we're thinking about that we're talking about the games that we're talking about so you know it's it's still early on and for us creating a name that you know we're from from this space not just within games but also beyond games um it's it's important for us that there is a a voice and a company that's not just there for business enablement but also there for the players and the users to make sure they're anonymous, to make sure they're getting you know treated well, that they're in control of their experience. And so we're starting to launch more and more products along different verticals and uh, 12 traits just didn't really encompass yeah. all that. Um, so that's part of the, the rebrand so now. So rebrand, is, is the rebrand, like is it only about new name? Uh, because when I was going through the, you know, the, the rebranded site, there's other, like you've bundled new products. So you have traits you got frequency you got navigator so i believe i've been using traits for um for a good time now so that is where you can kind of see like you know 
go deeper on the players and and segment your players into various um, um, how do I call it like like player profiles and then you can have those profiles and then you can see like what is the value of each profile and then you can go deeper in, in terms of like what's their lifetime value uh, and then you can go deeper into like let's say you have you know 15% of this very valuable um, profile um, then you can kind of go deeper into that understand what are the traits of those players uh, where they usually tend to live what is their you know sex it's like whether it's mainly male or whether it's mainly female and then going deeper into understanding you know what what type of uh what type of a things they uh they tend to like and what type of things they don't like so for example um shit i can't i can't they, they use very nice english words which just disappear <laughs> but i just remember like there's very detailed um hints of like okay this person would like to have a calm zone where you preferably have water and something green and that is usually the lobby like you have to focus on on building this sort of a tranquility and it plays together with when does this person play why do they play uh with how what kind of a social element they want to have so it goes very 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 to a to like a minutia of, of things of how you can affect so that's the uh that's the traits part um and then with the with the with the navigator uh, what we've used Navigator for is there's a lot of studies like you have your own taxonomy, which is actually really good, uh, and I've actually you know picked up some some points from your taxonomy as I've I've been updating our taxonomy, um, and for example, I'm I'm you know of course looking at shooter audiences, and you have it broken down into everything like first person shooters, tactical shooters, vehicular shooters. Uh, battle royales, looter shooters, you name it. And then you can kind of start pulling out those audience that they're already being investigated. So you just pull out those audience and we're talking about uh, PC players, console players, uh, mobile players, and then you can start pulling them in. So when you are making a game for a specific genre or you're trying to create a new genre, um, you're looking at these audiences that exist and then you're saying like, we were gonna target here. And it's not just that you're drawing a circle of these games make 300 million a year and these game makes 250 million a year. We're going to be smack in the middle and we're going to be 150 million. It's just like, this is the type of math that I usually see in the decks. But, it, but in your uh, navigator tool, I was able to look at, you know, all these different, different, different shooter games and kind of start thinking about like, how should we approach in order to cater to the players who are currently playing these type of games? Um, I don't know if I was correct with trades and navigator, but what's frequency about? Yeah, um, definitely pretty spot on. I mean, traits is, um, you summarize it well, and maybe back to the brand, 12 traits, we just cut off the 12. So traits is basically 12 traits. Mm -hmm. it's, it's that tool that you're gonna deeply understand your audience psychologically, which is so important because people still mistake behavior and psychology for the same thing. Um, like obviously they're related, but my behavior is not my cognition yeah. uh, and people's brains. So their personality, their motivations, all these things like that's traits. That's really going to let us understand the audience so, so well. And what you were referring to with environments, um, you know, we know the different personality traits or the different motivations. So we know which mechanics resonate with them because we're hooked into so much behavior data from games. So we can tell people, you know, hey, this this type of mechanic or this type of environment or this type of thing. So it's really that we're like the one tool in gaming traits is 
that you can actually start to know, well, what do I do? Like I got this data, but so what? Um, so I think, you know, so that's traits. Navigator, that yeah, nailed it. Uh, a lot of people use Navigator simply to, they just come to us and say, hey, we're making a new game. It's kind of this mixed with this, mixed with mm -hmm. that. You can give us any parameters or you can just come in and say, you know, we're in the 4X category. We wanna see who that is. So you can either go from a taxonomic perspective or you can just throw parameters at us or even brands. I mean, we recently had someone came to us, hey, we're gonna do Monopoly times Solitaire. Uh, we bought the IP and now that game's out, it's doing really, really well. Um, that's MobilityWare, so shout out to those guys. Like they use Navigator from day one to say, you know, is this, do we actually have an audience? Are there mm -hmm. people that like the brand Monopoly and, and play, we don't even, we're just kind of guessing. And it turned out that people that just loved the Monopoly brand, the second highest video game they played were, was a solitary Perfect. game. So they're like, all right, <laughs> what's next now? Um, but, but you know, that, that game has been kind of top, top 10 here and there. So it's been doing well. Um, but uh, and I don't know which part of the app store that was. I remember seeing it like a few weeks ago, though. <laughs> it's doing um, well. So Navigator, it's money, let's say, let's say. yeah, it's, it's having it, happy it users. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, so Navigator allows you to really understand any audience, prospective audience, and a big part of that is we basically have the largest psych database that I know of in the world at the moment. So it's pretty much representative of, of the whole whole gaming market. Um, and then frequency. So this is where, you know, Solston comes in, where we're starting to verticalize all these different different products. Um, and, you know, frequency was something that we we knew we needed to do no matter what, because we're coming out and saying, you know, we want to help experiences be more playful, more engaging, better, um, healthier. We want to do all this. And obviously in experiences, you have the experiencer, which is a you know congregation of, of all of our psychological attributes, our traits, our culture, all these things that make us who we are, the experiencer. And then there's the experience. And most of our experiences are visual, right? Our occipital lobe is the largest part of our brain. It makes up 30% of our brain. It's just dedicated to visual processing. Uh, so images, what happens visually, videos, all these sorts of things. So what we knew from a learning perspective, and we started actually building frequency over two years ago on the data science side. So we would look at different ads, we would look at different videos, we would look at different visual files, and we would understand the experiencer what psychological traits does that person have and what visual things do they resonate with? Um, and I think resonance is an important word because there's different things that make up resonance. A lot of what marketing has focused on, for example, over the past 10, 10 years has just been relevance. Like, is this relevant to you right now? Can we get that person to click on a relevant thing? But relevance, like, you know, there's things we look at or that, you know, attract us or they're novel. That doesn't mean that we're actually going to, let's translate this to, to games, install the game and play it over a long period of time. Like we have companies we work with that are like, hey, can you figure out why this ad is, what, like, what can we do? We get more installs from this ad times 50 mm -hmm. than any other ad. We're like, well, it's relevant to your audience at the time at which they click on it and install but it, it actually doesn't resonate with them fully. And, and resonance is gonna predict whether the person installs and plays the game over a long period of time um, because they're like, you know, this ad, the, the ROAS on it, it's, it's dirt. Like we get tons of installs, but you know, and it's like, well, 
everybody in the world, we're all looking for different experiences. We're all looking for different, different products. And as an industry as a whole, we're doing a disservice when we route people to the wrong products and the wrong, the wrong places too. Um, and so for us with frequency, what frequency is, is it's effectively a creative asset manager that is tied to your actual audience. And what's so profound and special about that, you know, if you go back to, let's just say the 1950s, when you used to make a, let's, and let's just focus on ads because mm-hmm. it does a lot more than ads. But when you're in the 1950s and you're going to make an ad, you know, you're, you're making something for an audience that you really needed to understand. There was no targeting. There was no like, do we put this on TV? Do we put this on a billboard? I don't know. But how that targeting happened was through the creative. That's how the targeting happened. Someone saw it and they go, oh, cool. That product looks like me. That feels like me. And the creative can exclude certain people, right? You can say this, you can literally put an ad. This is not for X. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that might actually attract the exact person. Like smoking, you know, tobacco yeah. did that for a long time. Like, you know, don't, don't do this. Like the same reason why fail ads, you know, maybe tend to work too. Um, so there's certain, you know, ways we attract people um, and use different creative to attract people. And obviously like with, with IDFA deprecation and what was happening there, that was the moment where, where we realized it's time to actually productize the intelligence that we'd be, we'd been training for a while, which was how do you match visuals, different visual stimuli to a human being, to what resonates truly with, with a person. Mm-hmm. So what frequency allows you to do is upload any image. Um, this could be game art. This could be like a product you're trying, you're, you're going to do an offer in a game. You have a new character, you have a new skin. Uh, so frequency gets used for that. It gets used for, you can upload videos, you can upload images. And what our, our AI does is it tags the image or the video. So, you know, person running sunset, mm-hmm cart it does all that automatically for you so already it's kind of like google drive on steroids um you know maybe there's a similar company out there called brand folder who some some game companies work with who have a lot of assets but it really allows you to just organize search find assets much more quickly so just just already it's really helpful so you could build Um, creatives in frequency so you can't build it in frequency Uh but you can think of it as like google drive like you can you can upload, but it, what it does is it, it the AI tags everything for you. It, it organizes it all. So like, if you were like, you know, what's that one that we use that one time? It's like that blue roller coaster. I don't, you could type in blue and it would just find it like that because it's all hooked up to it's, it's using learn like image recognition to, to figure out what's all in the, the different videos. The core part that's in, that's unique to us that you can't get and probably will never be able to get anywhere else because of traits and because of Navigator, whenever you have a Navigator audience or traits audience, you can hook that up to frequency. And what that allows you to do, I think like when we were at Slush, we did this thing with Angry Birds, mm-hmm. for example, where we, we uploaded a, a visual of, of red, the, you know, the red angry, I mean, you, you yeah, know, but I, for the audience. I, I know the red. <laughs> <laughs> I guess his name's Red. Yeah, um, they, and, very creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spot on. Uh, you got, you guys got that one right. Um, so, so there's one of Red, which this is actually was kind of funny. Um, there's one of Red, like in uh, uh, his hockey skates or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's another one of Red that we we got from Rovio that was uh, 
like skiing. So you had some ski stuff on and you can upload those and you can actually delineate your different audiences. So if we wanted to look at like Angry Birds globally, the, the red that was with the skis actually resonated more with the global audience than red with the hockey yeah, uh, skates. Surprise. But we actually, we just created a micro segment of the, the Finnish people that play Angry Birds and the hockey skate red resonated more with the Finnish of audience. <laughs> but then when you're, when you're sorting this stuff, you can actually see like out of your whole creative library, like I just want to sort by resonance for my whole audience. And what actually resonated the most was the um, the green pig with this like kind of Mai Tai in his hand or this cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I joked about it when we were at Slush on stage and said, you know, maybe you could just, you know, put him on a beach on a vacation, like put red there with like a, a drink. And I went, I went on my phone the, like the week after and there was a picture of red on the beach with a, a cocktail <laughs> that was there. So. What it, what it does effectively is it it's able to help you break down what a creative is before you've even done A-B testing, before you've done marketability testing. You can already predict which creative is going to resonate the most, either with the people that are already in your game, if you're launching offers, if you're launching um, new skins, things like that. So it's like, it's like precognition. Mm-hmm. It already knows that. Um, or if it's an ad, what we're basically going to do is get make we're going to make A/B testing obsolete um, because effectively because we have all this psychological data and we have all this creative data, you won't need to test ads anymore. You can just put them in frequency, and you'll see here's my high LTV persona one. This is who we want more of in the game. Um, I did like seven different ads. This one works the best. Um, and what's cool is there's a creative builder. So you can actually go in and let's say like you wanted to replace the Mai Tai with a can of beer. You could delete the Mai Tai hashtag and put in beer and you could see if that boosted resonance score for that persona. Uh, so it, it really basically um, it's a way to predict. So how much, uh, how, you, you have, how much have your clients been using the frequency and like what kind of, uh, what kind of results have they been having? Especially yeah, post so Yeah. So, you know, pre-IDFA, we already knew this was going to be super valuable for the sheer fact that I think it's like, according to Nielsen, it's like the upper 40s, 40% that ROI comes from creative optimization. Um, You know, like it's something like 9% is from targeting. It's just targeting is more measurable. So we already knew that the majority of your ROI on marketing comes from creative optimization. So we started this out as sort of a secret project with um, a few, I can't name the names, but it's a few of the bigger mobile game companies. And we were using this with them. Um, And we were seeing all the typical, you know, the thing we focused on with training, this was specifically just ROAS and and LTV. You know, we wanted to see, are we getting, you know, good ROAS uh, and LTV over time? Are the people that we are acquiring are they high quality installs that on day 100, on day 200, they're still a part of the community, they're still a part of the game, like really focusing on on that, um, rather than just driving down CPIs, rather than just driving down, oh yeah, our day seven retention's great, okay, fine, um, that's great, that's it's a good KPI, but what about day 30, what about day 60, what about you know day 100? Um, you know, and so, so we train the models, um, off that for the first year, year and a half. And the results were awesome. Um, even with, even with like, 
And back then the models were okay. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't perfect because we still had all the psych data, but we hadn't amassed tons of creative data yet. You know, there's a lot out there, but, but bringing that together. Um, and so right now we have, we, we kind of cut it off. Uh, we have six customers that have been, that we just brought on that are fully using it. Um, we, we haven't opened this up to the world yet. So um, those six customers that are using it, um, every single one of them is just like, this is from the future. Like it's, um, you know, Zach from mobility where was actually, cause he's the VP of marketing yeah. over there. He was just like, literally where has this been my entire life? Like, this is ridiculous. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to be doing a, a global re release in the next three to six months where everybody can start to get their hands on it. Um, we're opening up to, you know, if we've worked with you in the past, yeah. um, we're opening it up to people that we've worked with and cause we don't want this to just be like, wow, this is awesome. You know, for us, what frequency is really about is stepping into something and going, wait a second. Like this feels like when I went from MapQuest to Google Maps, like this is, this feels like a quantum jump in, in technology. Um, and so, you know, we, we know the, the data science is solid. We know that part's um, really good. And now it's just really kind of with the current customers that are there, um, ensuring that we can keep this going over time. And so what happens now is uh, with, with creative specifically, you know, it's like 19 out of 20, we'll just knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. But as data science and AI goes, there's like one that's like, well, that was a curveball. So there's a bit of supervised learning that still needs to, to take place. Um, and we just, we want this to feel just really spotless. Um, but at the same time, the customers that are using it are, you know, they're basically like, yeah, we don't use anything else yeah. anymore. Like we don't even do A-B testing in Facebook because it's just like, we're just here. That's insane. We don't have to spend money um, to do that. Okay, folks, let's take a little break from the conversation. Talk about your post IDFA cross-platform strategy. More specifically, how you're going to monetize that sweet console and PC audience of yours. Well, here's where Player One comes to the picture, providing a huge revenue opportunity for developers and publishers. In fact, it's the only engagement and monetization platform designed to reward free-to-play console and PC gamers. Now I know what you're thinking. Players don't want to watch ads on console and PC. Well, that's actually not true. According to extensive surveys with players who are playing the most popular AAA free-to-play games, Player One found an overwhelming desire, 77% to be accurate, by gamers to have an option to earn free in-game content in exchange for watching 15 to 30 second advertisements. Now, the second thing you're thinking about is that you don't want to show other games to your console and PC players. Well, Player One got you covered once again. Firstly, the platform lets gamers decide if they want to watch TV quality brand sponsored videos inside their favorite titles in exchange for cool in-game items and awesome content. Secondly, as I said, Player One's inventory is purely of TV quality brand sponsored videos, so you won't have to worry about churn or build segmentation profiles. Plus, given the fact that the majority of free-to-play players on PC and console never actually spend any money in the live service area of those games, Player One is providing a way for developers and publishers alike to help their loyal players to get access to all the additional content that's being created while maintaining their game's economies. Player One is fully optional for players and completely respect respectful of game flow. 
And for developers, Player One has been proven to drive retention, lifetime value, and additional revenue, all while maintaining monthly active users and reducing churn. Everybody wins with Player One. Gamers unlock immediate rewards, developers enhance the playing experience and generate passive revenue, and brands connect meaningfully with the most passionate audience in media. Visit playerwon.com to see how it works in practice or get go to the link in this podcast description below. Now, back to the episode. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new, untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro slash D-O-F or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. So one, one thing that's always, you know, people keep asking is like, where do you get this data from? Like, how come you have yeah. so much player data from so many different platforms and, and literally all the games? Like, like where do you get this? And, and that, is, that is the source for the frequency and navigator, of course. Yep. So what's unique about, about Solsten is um, kind of the trust that we've been able to build across the industry and not just with uh, game companies, but also with players. So we do, in-game, we do direct psychological assessment with players. So uh, we create an anonymous ID for that person. Uh, it doesn't, we don't know anything about them in real life. Uh, we don't know who they are. What they have is that anonymous ID. Um, so, so hypothetically speaking, let's say you were playing Candy Crush and you were also playing Call of Duty and we are working with both those games and we see uh, those, your, your psychological profile. Like we don't know it's, it's Mishka. Um, we don't know who you are. We don't know your name. Only you control your ID. But what we, we would know is that it's the same person because no two people have the same psychological identity. Um, your culture, your personality, your motivations, your values. By the time we've measured all those things, um, and you know, we, if you look at our team, we literally have the best and most published people in the world that do that stuff. Um, at Solston. And so, you know, it's, um, it's a very uh, hard science, but it's, it's an incredible science when you're good at it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that we're getting c consistently better and better and better. So every game that we work with, every live game, when you use traits, we assess those, those audiences and we work outside of gaming too. So we work with some big companies that are, that are not in gaming. And every time those player, that person is measured, uh, game companies, you know, you guys always own all of your data. We we don't own as a, from a GDPR side. We're always a processor there. Um, we don't own it. You know, if, if you want to use it for connecting mm -hmm. to predict 
um, you know, players and, and the people that didn't take the questionnaires, like that's part of our, our system and traits, which is amazing. Cause then you can really understand like, Hey, uh, I want to send out an offer to the altruistic people in our game. And okay, 19% of your audience is altruistic. Buy this, you know, uh, weapon and help your friends yeah. win the next battle. Or everybody like, in the guild it just, gets X. Yeah, it makes it it makes it so straightforward. Um, or like, uh, you know, we have companies that route to different like IPs in their game. They're like these people, these psychological, you know, IDs, identifiers. Their favorite brand is X. Okay, cool. Let's route them to when we're doing a collab with that brand it just makes it like so straightforward um but what we do that's you know so all of our data is first party direct from the player mm -hmm. uh and that's you know so we don't do scraping we don't do we're not collecting stuff from online repositories and that's what makes it so efficacious like when people do things and they go wait it just worked well of course it just worked because that id that you're sending that offer to is actually altruistic mm -hmm. it's not a guess that that id is, is altruistic it's a fact that that is an altruistic person so if i say you know beat the crap out of your enemies and get this you know new gun like if they're not competitive or dominant that's not really going to be an interesting proposition to them but if it's like help your guild and they're they're low on individualism. So they have like, I could put in parameters, you know, low on individualism. So they're collective, they like the group uh, and high on altruism, you know, help your guild, help your group. And that's my value proposition. And it only goes out to the IDs. Everybody in your game is gonna be happier now because they're all only getting stuff that's not just relevant, but resonant to them too. Cause it's resonant because it's a part of who they are. Like if you're a competitive person by nature, like you don't just wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, not competitive anymore. Like we all know someone in our life, whether it is a younger brother or sibling or someone who is super competitive, you can't beat that out of them. It's a part of who they are. And that's what traits does, right? It doesn't measure soft stuff. It measures the things that are like quintessential to who we are. And that's part of why it's so efficacious when it when it does get get used. So, you know, from, um, from a data perspective, uh, what we've done over the last four years is every time we measure a person that goes into our database and it's kind of like an anonymous amorphous brain so it's never looking at individuals it's it's constantly uh it clusters around psychological similarity um kind of like the harry potter sorting hat um we actually have a, a patent on that we have the patent on the ability to put people in groups uh psychologically uh, based on similar similar psych traits um, so that is sort of how there's this herd immunity. Cause at the end of the day, um, people don't purchase things as individuals, right? They purchase things as, as groups. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, That's why we have social games. Exactly. So it's even like, um, hyper, hyper personalization. Um, the data, like, you know, I think I might've said this before, it's not like a dirty secret, but, uh, if you talk to companies that do personalization work, like, um, in the past, you know, I was talking to someone at PlayFab and we both kind of, they're like, yeah, we know, we know that too. When you really hyper-personalize, it tends to work less than when you personalize around a psychologically or like-minded group of people. Because that group of people is going to share it between each other. It's going to have social value. It's much more, it's much more interesting. So, you know, when you go into traits dashboard, you don't, you don't get to see individual IDs. Like we yeah, protect the yeah. individual. But what you will see is just like Harry Potter, maybe, you go into your game and there's like six groups that are there yeah. and 
this group is courageous and this group is, you know, they value time and resources or something like it's really figuring out what's, you know, unique to those, those different groups. Um, and that's so much more powerful than behavioral segmentation. Like you and I are both talking, behaving, we're just on a podcast yeah. right now and we could go on Instagram after this and have an offer to get podcast microphones or something like not. it's I something too many of those already. <laughs> yeah right like it's something we behaviorally do yeah. but it's not you know it's not as interesting to our our values like you can figure out behaviors you know through values mm-hmm. like i know i know that you know you like to lift uh, every now and then because <laughs> yeah, we're instagram friends my profile you know? by the way is 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 luckily closed i got a lot of requests i don't accept those <laughs> i don't know because they get afraid <laughs> exactly yeah you know but that's like that's a like that's a behavior that you do, but you have a personality and values and motivators that if we put those together, we could easily know that it's likely that behavior happens if you string together, you know, the core, the essences of, of who you are. So, One thing that I wanted yeah. to to ask you was how easy it is to get this like to get game teams use solstice. Solston. Yeah, I always want to say solstice. I don't know why. It kind of rolls out of my about the solstice. Solston. Solston, yeah. It's a more common word. Um, I did learn that in East Iceland from mm-hmm. one of our employees. He used to be um, the uh, uh, UX researcher at CCP mm-hmm. over in, um, we work with those guys too. Um, but he said one of the biggest Solston mines is actually in Eastern Iceland. So that's like, maybe, I don't know if that helps, but, <laughs> but, but here, <laughs> there's no solstice mines. Yeah, in, in because Iceland. here's the thing, like uh, you guys have so much information, so much data and yeah. having worked on the game team side, it's like, we get this, this stuff coming in left and right. And like, especially, you know, the player research departments are, are more often used as like stampers inside the company. Yeah. It's like, you know, can you stamp that this is fine? And they would come in or they would help you do, you know, their fatuis or some player research stuff that they're doing. Customer like, yeah, yeah thanks. Uh, this is really for the executive. So thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, um, when we look at across our entire portfolio of companies and all, you know, all the different companies that, that we're working with, um, what's fascinating, because we work with all the big guys mm-hmm. down to, you know, eight person venture backed studios. And the thing that we do, I think pretty well is and also just because we have a lot of people who've been in the industry and we've you know seen it is coming in and and use case specific say okay what is the one thing right now that you need to get better at or do better at and then that helps us first pick a product vertical so you know if we're if we have a live game it's been out for a while and we're like you know, we need to refresh the audience. We need a new audience. We need to get our, you know, our in-app purchases up. We need to, okay, traits, great. And then within that, we can start to dive and we just like go there. You know, if someone's like, you know, I'm making a new game, I'm considering using this IP, considering not using IP, or I'm thinking about this art style, or I'm thinking about this thing, great, Navigator, let's go. Um, or it's like, you know what, this all this IDFA stuff, we're still lost like you know we're we're trying to get back to where we were before um you know or we're trying to improve our marketing or we're trying to improve our ROAS like or just what like what do we do there frequency boom so or you know we're we're sending out offers in the game or new we're coming up with new skin ideas or new sort of you know item ideas frequency boom 
Um, and so, you know, really what, what happens from that point is you, you talk to us, um, our customer success team is great. You basically have a personal advisor there that's worked with a lot of different game companies and is able then to think of it as like going into the, the ER. And I think it's like, if you go to the ER, right, there's tons. If you think of all of the prescriptions that they could give you, if you think of all of the tests they could run on a person, it's an obscene amount. And what we see a lot of companies do, and even bigger game companies, their research teams, their data teams are sitting there, like basically looking at what is every single pharmaceutical or every single test we can run, and then they're lost in the data. They're, and, and they don't really, and because a lot of times some of those people have never worked on game teams, you know, and it gets lost in translation. And like you said, it might be, hey, can we get the stamp of approval? And what the stamp really, what, what we're really asking for when we send things to research is, am I going to use my development time as my research budget? Because my team of developers is expensive and I need to get this game out and I need to get it making money. And what we don't want is to use that time to only find out, you know, a year later, I was like, I was talking with Visa, uh, you know, over at Supercell about Brawl Stars. Like that game was in soft launch for 500 days. Most companies can't spend 500 days to keep a game in soft launch. Like most companies do not have those resources. Yeah. Um, and even, even like if we had worked with Brawl Stars, if they said, can we pull a navigator audience? A lot of the stuff they figured out that made it work, they would have known hundreds of days before if they pulled the navigator audience on that. You know, so it's like, yeah, I'm so happy that Brawl Stars ended up working out in the end, but why wouldn't we all be happier if we could hit our market audience much, much earlier? And so, yeah, from a game team perspective, you know, what we kind of come, we're kind of like that, that ER doctor that comes in, you know, you're, this hurts, that hurts, you're cut up, you're banged up. Like what you don't want is somebody doing stitches on your arm. Like, yeah, you might need stitches, but if you got a broken femur, your femoral arteries bleeding out, mm -hmm. not to get, you know, vulgar or gross here, but like, that's what needs to be addressed. And sometimes people don't know that. And so, you know, working, working with us, what you're getting effectively is you're getting that, you know, here's all my data, um, here's all my behavior and behavior is noisy. Um, but then when you're able to distill it to the psychology of the person combined with whatever KPIs you're trying to optimize around, all of a sudden everything unveils itself because we literally know, oh, hey, um, this, is, this has happened in ads before. Hey, your um, people, your most engaged people, the highest ROAS group are ridiculously high on, on empathy. Um, out of all the different traits they have, and we know that ads that have lots of facial expressions with people that have high empathy get way better ROAS. So something that simple, it can be literally that simple. Um, or I know I'm bringing up Zach again here because he's given us permission yeah, to, to talk. So that's, um, but like, you know, with, with uh, back in the day when we were working with uh, Dragonvale and he was like, this game has been around for eight years. We have all the data in the world on this game. Uh, and I just went into your guys' tool, looked at the different personas, uh, went to the highest LTV group. I looked at their top values. They were caring and family. And I was like, what if we just put together baby dragon with a family being cared about? Just that he's like, I don't, I didn't even need to. And they got 34% uplifting conversions on their app page on top of uh, anything they'd done in, in the past eight years. Like this is like 
peak times of Dragon Vale too. So, you know, that just shows you right there, like it can literally be, it, it cuts it cuts through the data to now what? You know, what what can we do? And um, on the simplicity side of things, that's that's our job to say, okay, what are you guys trying to achieve or accomplish? Here's the correct product vertical to start. Um, and then here's the correct, the correct use case. And then from there, you know, for, for us, um, we like, we have pretty much over, like we have negative churn. So Mm -hmm. as a company, we have negative churn, meaning we're upselling and less people are leaving than are here. Like our same customers that were here for our, when we, when we had our prototype four years ago, most of them are all still customers. And, you know, what ends up typically happening is, is there's a success case that is like, okay, this is, I can put value, I can put money to this, holy crap, what else? And it's kind of like, okay, now we did the, we fixed the femoral artery, we're not bleeding out anymore. Um, Well, you know, maybe you can not just do the stitches here, but maybe you could take these supplements, maybe you could, and it's a holistic sort of approach towards not just your game, but your actual company. Like, what we do, it's it's informed portfolio strategies at some of the top, you know, game developers. Like, what IPs do we acquire? What kind of spaces do we double down in? Um, so it's it's really like it doesn't sort of your audience never mm-hmm. has an end. You know, it's it's your niche. You're the creator. You're the creative. And the deeper you understand your audience, and then have the cool part about Solston is we have tools that enable you to inter- do it then. You know, it's not just like here's information, it's now here's technological enablement built around that. Um, but the deeper you understand your audience, full stop, the the you will win your market. Like if if you understand your audience better than anyone else and then can serve them, that's the second part. Um, if you can do those two things, you'll win. You can't you can't lose. So so who's the um like one of the one of the questions that I get is is like who's the audience for Solston? Like who are like who are who are you approaching with? Because big game companies tend to have all of these kind of factors covered. Like they have their marketing team, and of course, marketing team is always looking for whatever tools they can use to improve their targeting, to improve their ROAS, to improve their to decrease their CPMs, to, CPIs, to to yep. increase their their IPMs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then you have the, uh, the the market research teams, and and you have product marketing teams, et cetera. So, so when, when you're offering this, this product that now has three different verticals, like who are, who should the game teams be thinking of? Like who's, who's the main user of this or should they have multiple main users? Like, like how, how do you approach this and how do you, how do you bring this? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, out of the top 10 grossing gaming companies in the world, eight of them work with Mm -hmm. us. So, you know, the reality is what, what typically happens and we have like, um, like open pricing schedules with a lot of these comp like a menu, you know, where they can come in and select the different things that are there. Um, and so, you know, when it, when it comes to the, the real big guys, what typically happens is they go, we have a whole team dedicated to that. Um, like I talked to the CSO at Activision and in the goes, uh, no, we don't. And we've thought about things like this before, but this is like, you guys actually are doing it. Um, and so, you know, and, and this is, it's usually people that, you know, and this was like maybe a year ago or two years ago where we, that's part of the name, Solston, is people thought it was magical. You know, it ends up being a scientific object. Like, 
we've been incredibly scientific from the beginning. It's just a matter of time. The great thing about science, right? Like Neil deGrasse Tyson says, like, whether you believe in it or not, it's still true. So like half, you know, when we were building this, like I didn't, if people didn't want to believe in it, that's fine because the science was there. Um, so eventually it's it's true. Um, but so with, with the bigger game companies, you know, it's really, you know, your team, um, what's your team working on? What are they, what are they working through? And what we typically enable is if you're on consumer insight, if you're in marketing, if you're in product development, what we're actually in, enabling you to do is focus on the stuff you do best, being creative, um, doing customer insight work. It's really automating a lot of things that, you know, are really, really hard to do. And then let's skip down to like a eight person game company like uh, mainframe guys, um, you know, they, they use us quite a bit um, across the board. Uh, so we can do like, we have integrations with like Playtest Cloud, um, testing assets, testing resources. So you can actually know like which personas tested well in different scenarios. Um, and so, you know, when people come to work with us, it's typically, you know, it's someone coming from marketing who's saying, I'm gonna, I wanna increase my ROAS, I wanna do this. It's someone coming from product saying, I want to create a better experience that's more engaging, um, you know, improve LTV over time. It's someone coming from consumer insight who's like, I'm just tied, my hands are tied, I have limited resources. And consumer insight's the funny one for us because we either get people that are like just in love or like obsessed with what we do or like, um, I don't want to say like, oh, fuck it, I'll say it. Like it's, it's almost a fear mm -hmm. because so many consumer insight people have been put in a corner and separated from game teams and they feel like they're holding the information. Yeah. Um, and so that's like, that's something we work through. Um, but really, you know, we are a product for the game team and for the marketing teams um, full stop. And then on the smaller uh, uh, kind of mid-sized to smaller game companies, usually CEOs, founders. Yeah, um, they, they, they just, they're just super interested and they want to be part of everything. But that's, that's what I was kind of leading towards is, is that in a way you are competing against internal, uh, internal teams inside the company. So yes, you want to help the game team. Yes, you want to help the marketing team. Uh, but sometimes I can, you know, sometimes you can be seen as somebody who will you know, not abolish the internal team, but definitely hurt their position because now I'm using this tool instead of using the service of my market research team, for example. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's one of those. It's like, um, I remember when I was a kid, I think there's this like this movie called Tall Tales and it's like John Henry's like pounding the railroad stake and he's racing against the machine, right? Um, and then I think the machine finally beats him. And it's like this kind of like sinking moment. Yeah. And I mean, this is just the natural process of technology. And, and we do know that in the end, it creates more jobs. So there's two ways that leadership on the consumer side, on the market research, on the consumer insight, on the user research, there's two ways that leadership see what we do. And this is innovation in general, isn't it? Like one way is, oh my God, this is the future. I need, I, we literally had um, one guy come to us and say, in five to 10 years from now, I can't, like, I get it. It's not going to be like, everyone's going to have to use Solston and it's going to be the companies that know how to use it best that are going to compete well. I mean, so it's Solston or it's, 
if you, I don't know, figured out how to do what, what we did otherwise. Um, but we know that even the big guys that are out there, no one's doing anything close to, to the magnitude. And they couldn't either, right? Like even if you were Activision or Tencent and you took your entire, you psychologically assessed your whole audience, you're still missing the whole rest of the gaming market, which, I mean, we have that holistic view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, with the, the folks that are out there who think that we're taking their job, you know, what actually, so we have data on this. When companies um, use Solston over years, their um, their amount of UX hires uh, significantly increases. Yeah. They, they want to move research, the tool some, to, to somebody own the tool and who better than the, somebody who with a UX background. Yeah, and so UX jobs increase, um, consumer insight jobs increase. And what's also interesting, we did a market analysis on all of the kind of well, let's just say like top 200 successful game companies and looked at their growth over the last two years. And we just went on LinkedIn and looked at how many UX research and UX design roles do they have? And companies that had more UX design and UX research roles, which we can distill in companies that deeply care about understanding their audience and applying that, applying it, um, they significantly are growing faster and outperforming the companies that don't. Um, so, you know, that's it's kind of, um, it's, like we're in an experiential economy. Of course, if you can compete on experience better, you know, you're gonna get there. So, you know, we we do realize there's, um, I would say last year, early in the year, was a lot more of those breakthrough moments. Like we had someone at one of those top 10, um, literally bashed us in a, in a meeting with all of her executives. And a week later came around in a call and said, I need to apologize, like, we don't do any of this. We can't do any of this. And I didn't want to, I felt like all of a sudden, like, wait, this is all my job. And I got overwhelmed and was like, who's this other company doing my job? She's like, then once I took some time to really, I I started realizing all of the things I could do if I got to know you guys and got to know the platform. And now we work with them and everything's great. But there's, there is an ego moment, I think, when you were the best hammer guy, you know, and then something comes along, a steam engine, and like one hit nails the train, you know, the rail from the train track, nails it in there. And then, you know, it's the reality, the end of this is there's going to be more consumer insight. There's going to be more audience insight. There's going to be job roles because of Solston that we can't even think of today, like experience architects, um, you know, and the real time type stuff that only a few companies have done in the past, like, you know, when, when Game of War was at its peak, you know, they were making real time adjust, adjustments in the game and, and managing the experience of, of players. <laughs> well, to some extent, this is also the company that had to launch every game under a different name <laughs> for somewhat reason. <laughs> and that, that goes back to, you know, there's, that's, that's back to the addiction curve, yeah. right? Like, you know, it like, yeah, you can, you can squeeze money out of people but that's not sustainable. It's not helpful. And mostly, like, I think most games need to think of themselves as like, how are we being regenerative, right? Like, how are we not just like making money, but actually the users and the whole ecosystem is growing upon itself. Of course. And it's, and it's, that means you have to like understand the people that are there in your ecosystem. And I mean, you can look at two first person shooter games that have very similar mechanics and we work with, companies like this and the audiences are completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's not, you know, and you get people who like we had um one guy, you know, everyone's heard this quote, like 
I am the player. Like I, I play, I am the user, you know, and I always say two things like one, even if you're psychologically most similar to the highest engaged group in that, by the sheer fact that you're making it, you're no longer the user, which that's very, very rare that that person fits into that group. What's more common is we'll typically see in a lot of, especially like more hardcore or midcore games, there's usually like a fifth or a sixth persona that makes up like 2% of the audience. Um, they tend to be like lower LTV compared to some of the other groups. And like we literally had a CEO of a company we work with. He was like, that's me. Like I'm that persona. And he's like, I just had this like blow my mind kind of moment because I realize I judge how good the game are when we have our sessions and we play as a team and we give feedback. I judge this game based off of how I feel about it. So I'm kind of speaking for this fifth persona here, which is not the audience that is the largest market audience from, they know that from Navigator that has the highest LTV, you know, per, per person. Um, so he's like, I'm actually leading us down a path where I'm limiting our market size because the game design choices is focused on that, that group. Um, yeah. so, you know, well, full circle, I think it's like, um, a lot of people ask like, well, what, what can we do with Solston? And it's like, well, where can your imagination go? And I think that on the, especially on some of the consumer insight sides, we're limited to the imaginations of the people. Um, and I think it's part of our job to help expand that imagination of, of people. Like maybe like shout out to um, Axel who leads uh, user research over, he's a director of user research at Mythical. Like he's one of those consumer insight type people that imagination is not lacking. Yeah. Um, the guy, the guy literally could probably start hiring. If you gave him a budget to start hiring roles of what he could do with Solston, like he'd be like a kid in a candy shop. Um, so, you know, I think the, the opposite problem and, and the one that we know is going to be the inevitability in the future is now that we can do all these different things, how do we help focus on what's going to have the biggest impact for uh, the company and for the game and for the player in the end? And if we do right... Um, I always tell our investors, like our our first customer is the team, because if if our, that's who I care about the most, if my team's not healthy, then we're not going to great make good products for for people. Our second biggest customer are the players, um, because at the end of the day, they're the ones getting the experiences, because we're kind of like teamed up with the developer. Um, our third customer is the developer, and then fourth is the investor, and then the founders, and then you know we come we come after, and if we do right by people in that order, we are going to make incredible experiences and we're going to have an incredible business. Um, unhappy employees don't make good products. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's very true. Um, so, yeah. so for companies kind of looking to work with Solston, where should they start? Like, I, I, um, I mean, I can, I can tell to the, uh, the ones who have still games in development or are thinking about entering new games, it's of course starting probably with Navigator. Uh, that would be the easiest one because you can s simply just purchase the uh, the audience data on different genres that you're trying to target. And that would allow you to start positioning against what, you know, against the market and like, what are you doing? And of course, you're going to use the sensor tower or, or, you know, other other platforms that will allow you to gouge the market size. But before that, you already know the audience and you can kind of say like, well, we're going to take 20% of the whole shooter audience because that's the size of 
of the markets we're targeting. So now you have the market data, now you have the audience data, and then you can start really designing against that. Um, for what about other companies that already have games uh, in development or perhaps uh, live games? Yeah, I think um, the important thing is it's never too late mm -hmm. to start with us. Um, and more often than not, like we've had a couple of game companies who um, are customers of ours now come back and say, shit, I wish I, wish I wouldn't have held off for that whole year. Um, you know, so I think for, you know, if you're building something new, mm -hmm. whether you just started, whether you're scoping, um, whether you're almost done, like getting Navigator, it's so easy to, to get on board with it. Um, and so you just, you know, go to the, it's getsolston.com right now. So you just go there, hit the, in the upper right hand corner demo. There's an email. You can literally say, send an email. Someone will be in touch with you very quickly. What's nice is our customer success. Some of our customer success people and salespeople were formerly at companies like App Annie and Sensor Tower. So they can, if that's what you've been using, it can, they can make it very easy for you to understand. Like, um, I mean, one of them said like, it's not even, you can't compare. It's night, just night and day. Like they're like, that's why I'm here. Um, I'm giving people useful stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's, it's, it's not that those are not useful in certain contexts, but um, I think it's Navigator is the easiest. It's it's super you know super easy to get in, super easy to start. It's typically ROI positive right away. Yeah. Um, and then on on traits, you know, if you're if you have a game that's been out there for any amount of time, like oh like I can't I can't even like I mean I'm just tra traits I built for myself when I was heading up UX at at Big Fish Games in a way. You know, it was like, I, I knew this fit into the bigger vision, but just personally, I don't know like how people actually have live games um, and don't understand their audience psychologically uh, and, and not armchair psychology either. Like, you know, so if you have a live game and you've been doing it for a while, it's just like, just reach out to us and we'll, we'll get you going. Um, we'll make it work. And then on the marketing side um, with frequency, we're demoing so you know we're showing people what it's like we're talking through how it fits into your plan how it fits into your roadmap and what we're doing there so same thing go to getsolston.com mm -hmm. you can just put your interest in it for marketing reasons um, if marketing's a focus for you guys right now um, you know go there we'll talk to you we'll walk you through the product we'll show you what it does and we'll get you on the list so there's there's a pretty big list right now and we're rolling it out in order to uh, the people that are basically saying I, I want in, um, you know, and so what we're expecting is in the next three to six months that that more global rollout is going to going to start. And this is how we've sort of always done things um, in a limited, limited fashion. But we want to make sure that that's a really good fit yeah. for all of our products. Um, like we don't work with if you come to us and say, like, we don't really care about our audience. We just want to make more money. We're not interested in working with you. Um, so we've always, always been, and it's, and if you do change your mind that you do care about your audience, then we're very, very interested in working with you. Um, similar on the on the marketing front, you know, if if you just went from a, hey, um, it's post IDFA, and like we don't really, really care about creative. We just want better numbers. Then you're gonna get just a hint. You're gonna get back on the list. Um, we really care about like like King, for example. 
their marketing director now for Candy Crush and whatnot, like he comes from, they hired a guy from a creative agency background. We're seeing more and more of that right now in the gaming industry across our, our uh, companies we work with is they're, they're starting to hire marketing execs that have creative backgrounds rather than, you know, we still have the UA yeah. and optimization, things like that. But, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you guys care about it too, because that's where we know that together as a team, we're going to be really, really effective. Like we don't really see that it's our job to convince people that creative optimization is important. Like eventually people will figure that out um, or that, that it's important to understand your audience. Yeah. Like if you like, and because it's, it's hard to convince people of, of those kind of things. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's pretty simple. Um, if you go to the email on the upper right-hand corner on the the webpage, um, you'll, yeah, you'll get to talk. And, to and you guys, been, you guys have them. been busy because sometimes people connect with me and say like, Hey, they don't reply to my emails. And we're talking about like some of the biggest company, game companies in the world are pinging me. Like, why can't, why, why hasn't Boston <laughs> answered my email? <laughs> like, yeah. We really want to try this the service. Cause you'd be talking about it on the podcast, but I like, I'll be honest. Like I, I really like, you know, I, I'm, I was sold at the moment that I that I met you guys because I was I came from a point of like I don't know about this like why why am I even talking about another because we see so many services there's so many services being uh, provided like yeah. this is the service that will help you to optimize this and that and it's gonna be super easy and it's gonna be you know <laughs> this and that what I liked about you guys and especially you Joe is like you've worked in games industry so it was really easy to connect because you worked actually at a studio and I think that is invaluable because most of the companies that offer services have actually never worked at a game company so they kind of don't understand the structure of a game company and how the decisions are being made uh like like you don't have to walk the walk you don't have to ship a game but you have to know how the organization works in order to interact with the organization it's like me you know uh, advising an advertising agency i have no idea how it works i know that there are ad's and 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 copywriters. That's about it. And the key account managers, because I watched Mad Men. But that's, that's about it. <laughs> and they make exactly. cool shit, maybe. <laughs> so, so I think that's that's really important. And uh, and you've always had this sort of a a very like a, like a you know very healthy approach to growth. Like you haven't grown too fast. You've been focusing on growing your company. And even now, when you're saying like the type of clients that you're taking on board. Are there specific clients that will also help you guys to grow and, and improve your your product rather than going for a quick buck and scale? Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, you know on a founder on a founder level, like there's always growing pains to company. It's like we're raising we're we're gonna go out and raise a Series B now, um, and so that's that's kind of maybe global news, I guess. But um, I don't know if I should have dropped that, but I dropped it. So um, now it's a good and, time and part for of that, to connect. <laughs> yeah, and you know, part of part of why that's happening is you know when we look at growth and sustainable growth and and things like that, um, you know, we we just uh, hire. Let's see, three. We have three customer success people now. Those people needed to be there like a year ago. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. And I think you know we <laughs> we always yeah it's and it's it's hard though like and you know because the same standards that we apply to our, you know, our, that Bastion and I as founders apply to ourselves. You know, we want to make sure that every game company we work with is getting a full white glove service from people that have been in the industry, that understand it, that know it, that are passionate about the product, 
that are passionate about their customer, about you know working with with all of you guys. And so you know scaling scaling is tricky. You no know, you know no matter no matter what and doing it sustainably. You know, and that's, that's for us, you know, we're here like kind of, oh, there's a lot of providers out there like we'll improve your IAPs, we'll improve your CPIs, we'll improve your, Retention. and everyone's focused on, yeah, it's like, it's the reality is, is if we, we don't do like for us, it's like, we're going to focus on the audience and what we know every single time without a doubt, the results follow. Like you just, you just take that audience first, all the results are going to come. And so, you know, and, and the CPIs, the KPIs, the, you, you know, whatever eyes are out there, all those, all those different things we measure, um, ROAS, and those are going to happen. And so, you know, the things that like, for example, at Big Fish that we cared about for certain games, the certain KPI, like there's other games where we didn't care about some of those same KPIs and every game company and game studio. I think that's what's special about the game industry is they're so unique. Like there's no two, even like, you know, we, like when I was at Big Fish, we'd say like that team's like cats, that team's like dogs. And there's a reason why those teams have been together for like 10 years and they work, they, they make good games. Like when we keep those teams together. Um, and I think it's, you know, for us, it's taking that personalized approach going in, enabling that. And then for us, ensuring that we're doing right from a growth perspective, bringing on the right people, building out operations in Europe, US, um, you know, probably somewhere out, uh, you know, in, in Asia in the future, but really making sure we're doing that in a, in a scalable way where by the time we do hit more and more mass market, I mean, cause we are working with some pretty big brands right now outside of gaming that, you know, a lot of what we don't, we, we're so focused on them that we kind of see it like we're the drummer, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're in the background. Um, you guys are the stars, not us. But if you take the drummer out of the band, like all of a sudden rhythm can get lost and things don't sound right. So it's like, we're going to be in the background there for you. Um, and that's from a rebrand perspective, part of why we didn't do it till now. But yeah, really focusing on on this year is going to be about scaling and um, bringing more and more kind of services to make everything really, really easy for companies to go in and, and get working. So apologies to everyone out there who's contacted us and, and took some time. Um, but now we have we have full-time people that manage uh, email. So it's that's not an issue anymore. Well, listen, there's there's so much more we could talk about, and I would talk about unless it was so late here in Helsinki. I need to go to go to bed. I'm a, I'm an early early sleeper, probably because of having kids. But folks listening to this, like really, you know. As I said, like I've I've used the uh, I've used the service. I've actually invested in in Twelve Trades originally just because uh, I felt like this was uh, the type of service that I I enjoy using and I feel like it's really powerful. So just you know <laughs> letting people know that it's it's out there as well. And I think what you guys are doing is is really amazing. And and now with these additional services, I I, I really hope more people kind of give it a go. Especially Navigator is probably the easiest way, and I have a lot of people in the DOF community from, from various different companies that have have jumped on the navigator and they're kind of like, okay, now I'm a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of like, it doesn't give you three things that you need to do. It's like you actually have to spend some time in understanding your audiences or, or your target audiences or, or, you know, the type of games that you want to compete against. So really suggest you do that. And, and yeah, and if you like it, like your retention is pretty high in terms of customers. So I'm pretty comfortable in saying that this is a good service, and and I at least will be using it for, for 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 foreseeable future. Cool. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and um, the links in the description below. Get Solston, and that's it. Bye, everybody.
Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.